0: episode 188 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to listen to almost any other podcast. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about board game tournaments. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Mahjong and Blueprints. Then, we talk about our thoughts on, and experiences with, playing board games in a tournament setting. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie. Crystal!
1: Before we get into the main episode, I'll have an announcement to make about Tabletop Live Network. TLN is this weekend, if you're listening to this the week that we release, TLN is this weekend, and I will be streaming on Saturday at 8 p.m. Pacific. The theme for TLN is travel-themed games, so I'm actually going to be playing a bunch of different free print-and-play games that are travel-themed, so come join us on our Twitch channel and join all the other wonderful streamers of TLN on Saturday if you like watching board games.
0: Yeah, we actually have a lot of cool streaming stuff with Tabletop Live Network coming up soon. In fact, before our next episode, we will have another stream as part of TLN during Gen Con. On mm-hmm. Saturday, August 5th, I'm going to be doing a live stream, not at Gen Con, <laughs> but at home, but for part of TLN's Gen Con streaming. We're doing this cool thing where some of the TLN streamers are going to be streaming live from Gen Con, and some of us are going to be streaming at home for Gen Con. So it's kind of this neat thing that we're doing. Really excited about it. Not quite sure what I'm playing yet as of recording <laughs> this, but definitely stay tuned on social media and all the usual places. And and then I don't want to spoil anything, but we've got a pretty epic charity stream coming up later in August. If any of you know what tends to happen in August as far as Extra Life is concerned, you may have an idea of what's coming, but it's going to be really fun. So stay tuned for more information. Yay!
1: So recently I've been playing some Mahjong. I mentioned this a while ago, a couple years ago, that I had played Mahjong with my grandma a lot. But, like, I never really played by the full rules because I never kept score. And Mahjong... And, well,
0: so, Andy, huh? I'm going to interrupt you just briefly because mm-hmm. I, I have to say, as a very white person who grew up <laughs> in America... I grew up believing that Mahjong was the thing that Windows computers presented to me, which (laughs) is most certainly not Mahjong. Like the tile matching game that was presented on Windows computers once upon a time is not Mahjong. And so if you were like me at one point and you thought that was Mahjong, That's not it. But if you watch the movie Crazy Rich Asians, you may have seen Mm -hmm. real Mahjong in action. And that is what Amby played. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yeah, so Mahjong is a rummy type game. If you don't know, like, Rummy type games here, it's like a card game, but Mahjong uses tiles. So there's different, different numbers and different suits and then some special tiles. And basically, the basic thing is you have 13 tiles in your hand and you draw one and discard one each turn. And then you're trying to get four sets of three and then a pair at the end to, like, go out. And then the sets are either three of the same number and suit, three of a kind, or a straight of three in the same suit, like, so, like, four, five, six of the same suit. And then there's other like special hands you can get too. (laughs) But I had just played like basic, you go out and then that's it, which is kind of like a rummy game with my grandma before. But recently my friend brought over his Mahjong set and he taught us like some of the basic scoring rules that you can do. And he played that you have to get so many points in order to go out. Some hands won't give you any points at all. Like you you have to get certain sets in order to get a point. And then some things give you two points. Some things give you three points. Some things give you six points. (laughs) Some are harder and harder to get and so like instead of just like trying to get a hand to go out you have to get a hand that gets you points or else you can't go out you can't like win so it's very different and I, I thought it was a lot more interesting going for points so my friend uh he taught us the hong kong rules there's actually lots of different versions of mahjong so the one i played like my grandma probably knew hong kong rules because she was from hong kong and then there's also japanese mahjong and then there's American mahjong. But yeah, so we learned the Hong Kong rules. And then Japanese is similar to that in the scoring, but then there's a lot more types of scoring, I think. And then also Japanese is more strategic. So we're trying to learn Japanese Mahjong now <laughs> um, because it has less of the luck. There, there's some cards in Mahjong or some tiles in Mahjong that are just give you points just for drawing them. <laughs> so <laughs> the, yeah, that that's, kind is, that's of pretty lucky. <laughs> <silly>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was interesting playing. And then I'm also... So we've started learning Japanese Mahjong. We haven't gotten a set yet. We're thinking about getting a set. But there's this video game, uh, browser-based and app called Mahjong Soul. And it's pretty popular for people who play Mahjong. And that teaches you the Japanese Mahjong rules. Well, it kind of teaches you. It teaches you like some of the basic rules. And then as you're playing a game, it's be like, okay, you're, you can win now. <laughs> and like, oh, okay. <laughs> and like, sometimes you win, like you don't know exactly what you're getting. Like, for example... Usually you have sets of three, but I knew there was something where you can score something where you only have pairs, but it has like restrictions to it. And I don't know what all of those are, but I was like, I'm like, I have a lot of pairs, so maybe I'm almost winning. And then the game's like, oh yeah, do you want to call the the thing where you almost win? I'm like, oh sure, yes. (laughs) It's like, you need this tile. I'm like, okay, yes, I did win. (laughs) So it kind of helps you, but then you might not also know what's going on. But yeah, I, I'm enjoying playing Mahjong and Mahjong Soul, and we're thinking of getting <laughs> a Mahjong set.
0: It's interesting oh. because obviously Mahjong is not there there are a lot of rummy style games that exist, both tiles mm-hmm. and cards, but as you're describing Mahjong, I've never played real Mahjong, mm-hmm. but it really like it feels like, you know, I grew up playing Rummy Cube and it feels mm-hmm. like Rummy Cube likely borrowed a lot from Mahjong potentially. Like Probably. since it is it's kind like of a tiles. Light version. Yeah. It it really does. Yeah, it feels like kind <laughs> of a simplified version. Because yeah, there's mm-hmm. it's less it's it's generally easier to start playing your tiles because you don't have to play them all at once but I do know that there's like also kind of differing rule sets to it like you can play where if you have any like two sets of three you can start or they have to total up to a certain number to be able to play them like if Mm -hmm. you know if you're playing with kids or adults you can kind of mix it up that way so as you were describing it I was like oh like yeah it really like it feels like (laughs) more complex and interesting rummy cube and don't get me wrong I still love rummy cube but it is pretty simplistic and also there is a lot of luck involved in just drawing the tiles
1: yeah but like a big thing of the mahjong is the different scoring things and also if you draw the winning tile and you just win by that usually it's hard to get a really good hand by that because like that's just luck (laughs) and then everyone has to pay you their points Lots of people gamble with Mahjong, so <laughs> they can lose a lot of money. But if you discard the tile that lets someone else win, it's only your that you're paying them. So they could have a really good hand because you discarded that. So you're like looking at what they've discarded and like you, you're like, oh, they might be going for this type of hand. So like you have to kind of, as you get more and more into it, you have to know what hands they're going for and which ones score a lot of points and what not to discard. You play more defensively. So um, I'm not anywhere near that yet. <laughs> But yeah, that's like the whole scoring is makes it so different than what we just played as a basic, when I was a kid, it was just like basic, oh, I just have a hand, yay. And that so, definitely
0: yeah. isn't in Rummy Cube, because you don't discard <laughs> any tiles in Rummy Cube. You're just drawing and drawing and drawing oh. until you can play them all, basically. So yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah so, so that was Mahjong and Mahjong Soul, if you want to try it online. Well,
0: apparently both of the games that we're reviewing today are definitely not the new hotness. <laughs> Uh, which is funny, that it is, it is kind of Gen Con season, and you know, like, if for those who are connected online, there's a lot of buzz this time of year about the games that are coming out at Gen Con <laughs> and all the new stuff, and Mahjong is obviously a very old game that's been <laughs> around for quite some time. The game I'm talking about, not quite that old, but it is a decade old. This is a game that I have played a few times over the years, but I've never reviewed on the podcast, and I just played it again recently. So I wanted to talk about it, because it's still in print, and I think it's a game others would enjoy, and that is Blueprints. Blueprints came out in 2013, originally published by Z-Man Games, designed by Yves Tourney. And it is a pretty simple dice-drafting game where, throughout the course of three rounds, Players are given a blueprint card, which has a little diagram on it, which shows six dice in some little formation. And each round, players are drafting dice one at a time from a general supply that's in the middle of the table and putting their dice onto their blueprint card behind a shield. At the end of the round, you score the different colors of dice in different ways. What's interesting is the scores you get from your dice pull your little tracker or your little bit up on the tracker, but that's not your score for the round. You don't actually get victory points based on where your thing ends up. You get an award based on if you are first or second in the round on the score tracker. So you only get a couple of points for being first or second. And then there are also some bonus conditions that you can meet that would also give you some bonus little like a, a small amounts of points. This is a very low scoring game. There's not like a ton of victory points at play here. And all of the dice score slightly differently. There's four different Colors of dice. They're all basically considered different building materials for the purpose of building your little blueprint. The clear dice are glass and they score the value of the pips on their top face just outright. So if a clear six shows up, it almost always gets taken immediately because that's six points right there. The orange dice score based on how many dice surround it. So basically, touching its faces. Green dice score based on how many total green dice you have. The more you have, have, the more they score in total, and black dice score you based on how high they are in your structure. And what's interesting about that is none of the blueprint cards themselves have a structure higher than three levels, but you don't have to follow your blueprint card. So if you meet your blueprint's requirements, you get six points at the end of the round toward the score track, but you don't have to follow it. So in theory, if you can get black dice up on like the fifth level, the sixth level, you you'll start earning like eight points per die. But obviously oh. if players, if they see you taking black dice like that toward the end of the round, like people will potentially suss out what you're doing and try and stop you. Also, there's the uh, added little hindrance that all of the dice you place, if you're placing them on top of another die, they have to be a lower value than the die below it, or the same value. So if you put a like a four on the bottom, nothing higher than a four can ever be placed above that die. So if you're trying to build a big stack, that can get tough, quick, depending on how many dice are in the pool and what their values are. So you just literally play, play through three rounds and then highest score wins. I will say this is relatively luck-heavy in that it really depends on what dice come out as to what is even possible each round, but I love the tactile nature of dice and I love messing around with them and building little structures with them, so it's satisfying to play. It's really quick to play and it's easy to teach this one. So I think if you are like me and you like futzing around with dice <laughs> and you like little games that let you mess around with them and that are relatively easy to teach. This is, uh, like I said, it's a decade old but I've played it a few times over the years and I don't tend to think of it offhandedly but every time it hits the table every time I'm like, oh yeah, I really like this game. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it because it t- it impresses me every time. It's always fun even if it is a little luck heavy. So yeah, that is uh, Blueprints from Z games.
1: Cool. Yeah, I played this once, actually, with, I think, your friend Kathy at Dice Tower Con a long time ago. Oh, I
0: nice. I just played it with Kathy here. She brought it over to my house, so.
1: Yeah, I was looking at my log plays, and, like, because I, I was like, that sounded kind of familiar. I don't remember much, but I looked at the, the log plays, and it says uh, that I, I kept building the, like, following the blueprints to the detriment of my score. But, like, <laughs> I, I I wanted to build the blueprint, like, and I was having fun building the blueprints, so.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Interesting because that's where I think the luck really can. Because, like, at the beginning of the round, you kind of have to make a decision, right? You have to kind of be like, okay, am I going to follow the blueprint or am I not? And you have a big pool of dice to look at and see what's available. But every time a die gets drafted, a new one gets pulled from the bag and rolled. And so the supply of dice changes pretty dynamically throughout the course of the round. Each player is going to get a total of six dice. So there's a lot of shuffling of the dice. And even if there's a bunch of one color to start with, if the other players start taking that color, they disappear (laughs) real fast. So it's hard to make a long term plan in (laughs) each round of this game. So yeah, if you're looking for something highly strategic, this one ain't it. But I still recommend it anyway. When it comes to topics to discuss on the podcast Ambie, we've we've said before that we've talked about a lot of different things on the podcast mm-hmm. and often when you and I are thinking about like what should we talk about in our next episode, it's sometimes hard to come up with something that we haven't discussed before.
1: Mhm. Until today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, you actually came up with something that we've never touched on, I think, at all, which in 187 prior episodes seems a little (laughs) odd, but that is board game tournaments. Mm -hmm. And I will say this probably hasn't been a topic that's been at the top of our minds because it's not something that you and I participate in frequently.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not, not anymore, at least. But yeah, it did come to my mind because of Mahjong, actually. Because in Mahjong Soul, you can play like ranked and stuff. And I'm like scared to do that. (laughs) But yeah, so I was thinking, oh, and then there's like board game tournaments and stuff too that like I haven't gotten to, but... I know they exist.
0: Oh, yeah. At Dice Tower West for a number of years, I think Envoy Double Exposure, the the same company that does a lot of the play-to-win games, has also been hosting, I don't remember what they call it, it's something like the National Azul ch- like Championship, <laughs> whatever. A- like, it sounds very official, and I don't, like, I think it's one of those things where you just declare it, and it is. Like, I don't, oh, you know, there's
1: I guess there is the strike tournament <laughs> we've gone to. Oh,
0: you know what? Yeah. Yeah.
1: We can definitely talk about that. Yeah, my husband Toby has been like every strike tournament he's participated in. He's won all two of them. (laughs)
0: yeah I mean that's still something but yeah yeah, like they host double exposure envoy has hosted tournaments at Mm -hmm. conventions in a lot of different places and then last year was the very first world series of board Mm -hmm. gaming here in Las Vegas and they're doing it again this fall here in Mm -hmm. Las Vegas again and you know I think their first year there were some little hiccups to work out you know a first year for any event that's going to be the case but it really feels like they're trying to build that into To kind of a prestige board gaming competition event Mm -hmm. and it's neat because it's not you know just simple easy to play games like some there's some very complex heavier board games that are in the mix Mm -hmm. and so it's definitely clearly aimed toward hobby gamers who really love you know deep crunchy board games.
1: Yeah. So that one, I think it's kind of weird because you have to play like 16 different games. So it's like a best all around kind of board gamer at at those 16 games. (laughs) But there's also another competition thing so wbc the world board game championships i think that happens every year and that one i think they have competitions for each game maybe not all the games in existence but i mean not maybe definitely not all the games in existence but i think they have like games like the competition the agricola competition or something or like other games they have lots of games and so it's just like competing in that specific game and then you have tournaments with that so people go to that as well <laughs> Yeah. Not me, but people.
0: It's interesting because those different events might appeal to different types of people, right? Like there are Mm -hmm. some people who put their heart and soul and everything into a single game. Like this Mm -hmm. is their game. They love it. They know it inside and out. They play it a lot. And that is the thing that they love and do and would potentially compete at. And then there are people who I think really love the ability to do the kind of the all around, more mm-hmm. well-rounded, like, oh, I'm not, you know, the absolute best at any one game, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty decent at a bunch of games. So like the mm-hmm. the what the World Series of Board Gaming is doing is maybe more for them. Yeah. Then you've got people like me who are like, I don't think I'm good enough at any one game or all of those <laughs> games. So I. I have no idea how I would do in an event like that because I know I don't know all the games, at least right now. I I assume I would learn them beforehand. But I wonder how many people in the competition actually know how to play all 16 games or (laughs) have played all of them before more than once you
1: know <laughs> well it seems like it's probably easy to have played all of them but like be good at all of them <laughs> that's different or, like oh yeah that's no a, strategies the all thing. of them but but you're like, I think you're pretty decent at games. What's
0: funny is I tend to be pretty good at my first play of oh, a lot yeah, of me too. games. <laughs> this, I don't think this speaks highly for my, for my intelligence, but well, I get things quickly. I pick things mm-hmm. up very quickly. And so when I'm playing a new game, I think often I can pick things up. Like, let's say it's new for everyone at the table, mm-hmm. right? I think I can pick things up a little faster than the average person, which gives mm-hmm. me an edge in first gameplay yeah i think over time i tend to be a little less good at games than some Mm -hmm. other people so Mm -hmm. i think that's why i tend to win games the first play more often (laughs) and then as i get to know the game better i start losing because generally the people i'm playing with also know it better and now they've caught up to me and now they can beat me
1: Yeah, I'm that way too. Like Toby's the opposite. So, so like when when we're learning a game, Toby it takes him longer to like understand what's going on. But like I figure it out, and then I usually win. And then like later on, after we play multiple times, then he like gets it, and then he gets really good at it. And I think and Dan I'm so is like, the same
0: oh. way. Literally, I think Dan <laughs> is the same way. Yeah, he won't necessarily get it right away, but once mm-hmm. he gets it, he'll kick my booty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I did used to participate in tournaments back in 2014, I think. Netrunner? Yeah, Net- Android ah, Netrunner. I figured that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this was before the podcast, right? So um, yeah. Toby and I would go to Runner tournaments. So that year we did like, I think we did the 10 by 10 challenge. Shout out to our friend Sarah Reed, who came up with the 10 by 10 challenge
0: a number of years ago. Go check out her and her husband Will's YouTube channel, Rolling With Two. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, so I, we did the 10 by 10 challenge. We also said we weren't going to buy any new games except for Android Runner expansions that was excluded. <laughs> so we didn't buy like any new games that year except for like the Android Netrunner expansions. And then we also did a lot of Android Netrunner tournaments. And we went to like all the tournaments at our local store and like the person who worked there knew us um, and would always talk to us about Netrunner. <laughs> and so that was that was cool. And Toby was better than me generally. Like, and he like knew the cards better than me and like would build the decks and I didn't like building the decks and I just liked playing it. But we, actually when we did a draft once, so Android Netrunner is a card game, kind of like Magic the Gathering. Ad- where you build a deck beforehand and bring it in and then play with that. But a draft is where you don't have a deck. You just go in and then they open up random cards and then you draft the cards. You each pick card and then pass it to the next person and that's how you make your deck. So I did that and then I actually did really well in that one. So when you don't know the deck ahead of time, I guess that's also like kind of like learning a new game kind of, right? Yeah, that
0: makes sense, right? (laughs) Like you're able to on the fly figure out what you can do with those, whereas other people that don't have their security blanket deck with them right like
1: yeah I mean Toby actually won the draft too but we didn't play each other we got first and second just because he won because of like strength of schedule he just happened to get first place because of who he played against but I think I would have beaten him if I played against him so I think
0: you would have beaten him too even though I technically don't know <laughs> yeah
1: he, he he gave me the play mat for the win nice <laughs> so, but yeah that's that's like the only time we've been competitively into tournaments for board gaming because a lot of times i like playing for just fun and it got very stressful because with tournaments we had to keep up with everything and with android netrunner which is a living card game new cards kept coming out so we had to keep buying those and keeping up with what's going on and what decks people are building and like how to counter those the decks meta. Uh, yeah the meta <laughs> so when you're playing a game for a tournament especially a card game like that you have to just keep up with everything and it gets very tough and we skipped like one cycle of cards and then we were just like behind <laughs> so we we're like okay now we're not just not doing tournaments anymore because once we just stopped for one time we just were way too far behind and just stopped forever. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, those types of games, obviously Magic the Gathering included, definitely tend to be lifestyle games for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And my ex-husband played Magic the Gathering competitively and mm-hmm. always tried to get me to play with him, and I would play casually with him, but when he would, you know, suggest that I get into it more, like it's not that I dis- disliked the game Magic the Gathering, but I I kept mm-hmm. telling him, I said at this point in Magic the Gathering's life, for me yeah. <laughs> to even become semi-decent at it, there is too much for me to learn. Mm. Like there's too many cards that exist, too many metas, too many decks, too many things. And like, yes, technically you could play certain formats like Commander or you can do a cube or whatever else where there's only a set number of things in it. But like, mm-hmm. if I was going to play Magic, I would want to play Magic, right? I would want to do all the things. <laughs> and I knew that I would not have the time nor the brain power to do that. And so I just decided to never get into it you <laughs> And mm-hmm. I'm glad <laughs> that I did that <laughs> and I don't regret it. And I, I, yeah, I And truly like 1v1 card games typically aren't really my jam anyway. Like that's not a style of game that I tend to gravitate mm-hmm. toward. And tournaments really aren't something that immediately appeal to me either. Mm-hmm. Like, similarly to you, I tend to play games for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. We all enjoy winning a game, right? Like winning can be very fun, but I can be a very emotional, Im- emotional person, like my emotions can be very strong in all different directions. I've become much better as an adult at self-regulating those emotions, but when you put me into a situation like a tournament where there are stakes on the line, Mm -hmm. I think it is A, going to be more stressful and anxiety-inducing for me, and it's going to make it harder for me to regulate those emotions potentially. So Mm -hmm. I think that's possibly why I tend to shy away from those types of things. Not to say that I'm unwilling. Like, I would definitely be down to play in something like, you know, the World Series of board gaming. But I think I would definitely have to go in with, like, I know there are people in those tournaments who get really intense. Like, if you, Mm -hmm. you know, do one tiny thing that they perceive as wrong, they will kind of go off the rails. And (laughs) like, people are very strict about certain things. And I would really have to go in with a laid back attitude of, this is just a fun activity. If we happen to do well, that's a bonus, right? Like, because... Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I feel like I'd have a bad time.
1: Yeah. And then like multiplayer tournaments is very different than one versus one tournaments. Like a lot of tournament games that I think of would be one versus one, like chess. <laughs> I don't like get into chess because of the same thing, like with magic. Like chess has been around for many, many, many years. And there's just so many things you have to learn to be competitive in chess. But like just playing chess with someone else who knows the same amount as you, it can be fun. But like, it's just when you think of chess, you think of, oh, you have to learn all these openings and stuff. <laughs> like because that's what they do.
0: <laughs> I feel like I've told this story somewhat recently on the podcast, so <laughs> apologies if I if that is the case, but you reminded me that technically when I was in middle school Oh, yeah. uh, I was a tournament board game player because I was in a group called Strategizers. Yeah, and we went and competed against other middle schools. And I, I think I told the story where everyone avoided chess because it was yeah. the longest to play of the eight games that we were in. You were required to play every game at least once. You could play games as many times as you wanted, but you had to play each one at least once. So everyone was like, oh, chess, because it took the longest.
1: But yeah, I also, if I'm playing a tournament, it gets a lot more serious and I feel like I have to learn the game really well or like get super into it. And it feels more like a chore, I think, for me. That's why I don't like tournaments as much. I think the same thing happened with sports. <laughs> like when I did organized sports, I didn't like it as much as when I just play uh, pickup games with my friends or something. I didn't like having to practice. yeah, <laughs> I didn't like having to practice and then like be all super into it. I also didn't like, I don't, I don't like people that much. So there was the whole... <laughs>
0: Wait. I was, that's funny because I was thinking, I was like, I mean, I played like in the city's softball league up until high school and I was like, I enjoyed it, even though like, and, but I was like, oh, I do like people. So
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but the people might have been more of the reason than the, the practicing and organized part, but like, <laughs> I guess I had to practice with people. That's <laughs> but,
0: Ooh, here's, here's a fun trivia question. I'm going to see if our uh, listeners can guess what position I primarily played when I played softball. Technically, there were two positions that I rotated between, so I'll take either as a correct answer. So if you're listening to this, go to our Discord into the show discussion channel and guess what position I played when I played softball. And at some point (laughs) in maybe the next week, I will post what the actual answer is. I'm curious to see what people will guess. I just, you know, it's one of those fun social experiments.
1: You can guess for me too, but I don't remember what my primary position was because I had a few.
0: So oh, was it softball
1: for you as well? Well, I played a lot of sports. I played softball, basketball. I mean, like, so I played a lot of different sports through elementary school. And then what did I play in middle school?
0: I feel like a horrible person because the first thing that entered my head was, maybe you were shortstop because you're kind of short. Like <laughs> Make any sense. That's not like you don't have to be a short person to play short stop but that is what entered my head.
1: <laughs> oh. I'm like average height. Actually, I'm a little above average. Well, yes. You're shorter than me. Yeah, I'm shorter <laughs> I'm than the tall, tall people who played basketball. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember my position for that. I don't think I did any teams on the school in middle school. Oh, I did like track and field, I think, and cross country. And then in high school I did tennis.
0: In high school, I was way too busy with marching band, choir, and drama. Mm -hmm. I had no time for sports. I mean, technically, marching band, definitely a sport. And anyone who wants to argue (laughs) with me, bring it on, because... We were out there in the heat of Missouri summers marching all day and like... Hoof! Did that count for PE? Or... No, did not. It didn't? Oh, wow. Okay. Nope. But that's we nice. were we were one of the top rated <laughs> marching bands in the Midwest when I was there. And actually, since I've left, my high school's marching band joined BOA, Bands of America, which is like super competitive. Wow. Yeah. So I think they've gotten even fancier
1: since I left,
0: but I mm. digress.
1: Well, I mean, that's still like on the topic of competitive tournaments.
0: Yeah, I was I was very good at marching, not so good at playing the flute. When it comes to board games, the only real tournament stuff I do nowadays is uh, we actually in our discord, we have a couple people who very kindly every now and then will set up tournaments on board game arena private tournaments and put the link in our Discord and then maybe in a couple other friendly folks Discords as well. So then we just do some tournament style games on board game arena where you play through a match and then you play through another and another and another and then you get points based on how you place in each match Mm -hmm. and then at the end whoever has the most points wins. You don't get anything real world out of it. It's just for fun. I really enjoy those because if it's a game I know well, then it kind of lets me hone my skills and I'll also join tournaments for games that i don't know as well because the multiple games Mm -hmm. gives me the opportunity to kind of dig in deeper to a game that i'm interested in so uh yeah, I really, I really appreciate the people who set those up in our discord and I love participating in them.
1: Yeah, that sounds like the type of tournament I would enjoy more if I liked playing online because yeah, there's no real world prize or anything. I think the real world prize is part of what makes it so stressful. It's like, oh, I want to get that play matter. I want to win that thing. And it's like, oh, I was so close. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. Not having the real world prize makes it more like playing a normal board game, like a board game night, but just making it a tournament for fun (laughs) so those those can be fun
0: absolutely we would love to hear from you all what board game tournaments you've taken part in over the years please drop us a note on social media or in the blitz discord let us know what tournaments you've played and what tournaments you want to play going forward and who knows maybe we will see you at a tournament in the future
1: and that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com for more content and links this episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Get ready for two new games and one exciting campaign. Gray Fox Games will soon be kickstarting two new small box games set in the expansive world of Midgard. Clans of Midgard, a draft, write, and fight game, and Reavers of Midgard, the card game, which is a simultaneous action selection and negotiation game. And don't forget that as a Blitzketeer, you can get 10% off your entire order at grayfoxgames.com, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else by using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us monetarily and get some cool perks, check out our Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Until next time. It's the wood of the maple. It's the thrill of game night. Rising up to the challenge of my rivals. Bye, everyone. bye Before we talk about the games we've played recently uh, i have an announcement to make tln whoops that's i just i, <sighs> <start over. laughs> I hit the microphone with my hand just yeah microphone. i love it's
0: funny because those types of bloopers there's no like like people aren't watching because we don't do video so like he was yeah. like tln whoops
1: <laughs> all right start over
0: so I wanted to talk about it because I, since I, uh, <laughs> I don't know, and uh, that I don't have anything else. Uh, <laughs> hello and welcome.
1: <laughs> oh no! What happened? I, I don't know. My like, hello. Can you say like, the hello again. You can say just, ahoy again. oh i should do ahoy we haven't had a good ahoy in a while
0: (laughs) i don't know why the word hello sometimes is just like impossible for me to say normally (laughs) ahoy (laughs) oh pip pip cheerio blitzketeers all right all right we can do this